Welcome to the KBB Review Podcast. I'm Andy Davis and this is episode four of season five. So how's business with you at the moment? Yeah, it's a really hard question to answer, isn't it? As I think there are so many variables and so many uncertainties that being definitive and forecasting even a short way into the future is really, really tricky. A couple of episodes ago, I was at the KBSA conference and I was asking retailers there that very question. And I'll put the link to that one in the episode description of this one if you haven't heard it. Now it's the turn of the bathroom side of things, manufacturers to be precise, as I also recently went to the Bathroom Manufacturers Association Conference at Carden Park near Crewe. So myself and KBB Review editor Rebecca Nottingham, you'll hear her voice in here too, we asked that very simple question to some leading suppliers. How's business? But first... The closing date for the KBB Review Retail and Design Awards 2024 is officially almost upon us. We close the doors for entries at 5pm on Thursday, November the 16th. Yes, I know, I did just say it was really close. There's categories for retailers, showrooms, designers, installers and suppliers, so there's something for everyone, and it's totally free to enter. In fact, if you're shortlisted, you'll get to come to the Big Glamorous Awards event for free too. So head along to kbbreview.com forward slash awards to find out everything you need to know. And that link is in the episode description. Now, let's ask the important question. How's business? Christopher Hackett, uh, Classic Marble Showers Limited. Uh, We have the brands of Sensec and Classy, and I'm the managing director. So for us... We're very fortunate where we are. We have three distinct markets. We have the NI market, ROI, and the rest of the UK. And uh, we're just in the last few years stepping into the UK market. So for us, it's, it's a growing business, but because we're growing into a new market. And what is the market like for you at the moment in terms of sales, in terms of inquiries? Is it going up? Is it going down? How's it working? We're very lucky from our business point of view where our market is a retrofit, refurbishment. So that market tends to not really go up or down. So we're kind of just kind of even, but I say growing because we're moving into a different market. And the different channels that you work in, you've got retail, you've got construction, all those other things. Where's the growth? Where's the market falling away if it is? I can only really speak from our perspective, and that's the we only deal with the retail market. We do get some occasional specifications, but that's through our customers. So we focus on the retail market, and that, again, because of the part of the business or part of the market we're in it's quite stable for us which is quite reassuring isn't it at a time when there's lots of cost of living crises and we're you know we're coming off the back of a big boom but you're seeing something quite steady which must be quite reassuring when you see what's happening elsewhere yes no i do feel for other businesses that just aren't in our position of of stepping into new markets i'd say that that's where we're really lucky at the minute yeah and it's great that you're clearly investing in that area and perhaps at a time when there is a little bit of a downturn, it presents opportunities for new brands coming into market. Yes, part of our core business is always staying ahead and being innovative. So at time, well, times do go quiet when you get your thinking cap on and you've got something new. So if we're here in a year's time, where do you think the market will be then? I think the retail market will be the same as what it is at the moment. I don't see a lot of growth in it, but neither do I see any decline. So steady in that way. But at a time, several years of disruption for circumstances out of the control of retailers and, and suppliers, it's actually quite reassuring to have a little bit of stability and a bit of normalcy. It is, down to the scale of the business that you're on, I suppose. We're a small family business. There's only 27 of us, 28 of us now, the last head kind of thing. But 
when you scale that up to 10 times that workforce, well, then you've got 10 times that problem and 10 times that pressure. So we're very fortunate in the scale of our business as well. Hi, I'm Anthony Thompson. I'm the Managing Director of Lessico PLC. Business is good. We are ahead of last year, both in terms of volume and, and revenue, so that, that's encouraging. But what we are finding is it, you're having to fight a little bit harder at the moment. You know, we think the market is a little bit soft, therefore everything we're doing to grow is coming with a little bit more effort. Yeah, and what are you then doing to, to, to grow as a business? Well, we're launching lots of new products. And we're trying to focus on the sustainability piece as well. We're not there yet. Um, we launched some products in the summer, but we have a, a pipeline of products now coming over the next sort of 24 to 36 months that both hit the style element, but also functionality and, and hopefully have a sustainable angle as well. In general, how, how do you see the market at the moment? I think it's a challenge at the moment, but I think sometimes you can sleepwalk into some negative recessionary type stuff and the general press don't help because I think the political thing plays out where they want to have a negative message out there instead of, you know, there's a lot of good things going on. We're not over leveraging house builder, which helps, but, you know, we're, we're doing well. And I'd just like to see people being a bit more positive because I think if we can all be positive, then the consumer will become positive because people in industry and people in government and you know have that positive outlook. Yeah. what's the story then you're hearing from your retailers the business is okay you know footfall is down but people that are coming through the door want to buy and then higher values as well we're hearing yeah i mean we're not in the luxury end of the market so i can't necessarily comment on that but you know we're we're, we're hearing similar things and predictions then for 2024 and also where do you think the opportunities are I think 2024, certainly the first six months, will be a challenge because I think there's a mindset now that, that things are difficult. But we'll just approach it the way we always do in Lessico, really positively, on the front foot, get excited about the stuff we do and, and, and do the best we can. And I think we'll have another good, good year. We're going to launch some new products again twice next year. We're going to do that. And some of them have got a unique sustainable angle to them as well, which, which helps. So I think we'll just try and do more of what we're doing, but maybe faster and harder and quicker obviously we've got an election coming up do you think that could help with how the market might look towards the end of the year you would hope that either the current government or the future government will do something particularly around trying to stimulate house builder you know because i think that has a trickle down effect yeah you know to the rest of the market as well but also the retrofit strategy i think is really important you know i think there's a good opportunity there as well Name's David Brommel from Rocker UK. I think the, the market's very, it's very dynamic. We cover a lot of different sectors. And I think probably what we're seeing is that the, the, you know, the sectors are not moving in a homogenous way. So, you know, we all know the, the challenges that the national house builders are facing at the moment. But then, you know, you have other areas such as retail or modern methods of construction and, and project hospitality, etc., which are far more buoyant. So it's a, yeah, it's, it's a very dynamic situation, I think. What's driving the buoyancy in that retail section, do you think? I think there's an element of people are still perhaps, you know, based at home more than they, than they were. You know, I think being around your domestic space a lot more means you scrutinise probably more than you have in the past. I think people's expectations have, have kind of gone up. I think there's probably an element in the, the mid to upper end of the market where, you know, the people that had uh, an intention to do renovations before probably still have the budget to, to do so. Um, and are therefore looking to you know to, to spend the investment that that way. 
we see people are maybe not moving around so much the housing market's a bit funny so people aren't moving so much and i think again being therefore stuck in that same space they're probably looking to make improvements as much as they can based on what they've got so where are you seeing the particular growth are any elements of your range moving forward quicker than others i'm thinking of the most premium and stuff compared to the you know the more mid-market rock stuff are you seeing a big difference then Again, I think it's balanced. There's probably parts of people continuing to invest, as I said, in the in the mid to upper end, but also you still get elements of that that will trade down slightly, and that, of course, works all the way down the chain. So really, you know, across the range, you you still get that. I think it's maybe more where people are investing more in certain elements. We know furniture's enjoyed really continuous growth over the, the, the past few years. You get people picking up on on trends quite quickly so we've had certain ranges maybe that have come in and have hit the ground running and have been really really strong uh, one in the, the sort of the mainstream of that is the honor collection on the rocker side which has been immensely popular i think it's got enough enough trend about it but without being something particularly extravagant and therefore taking it out of the the mainstream so where people are maybe doing renovations and again people are more trend focused but probably playing a little safer than they were it's not going to one extreme but it's still finding something that that sort of ticks both boxes for them yeah it's always interesting when markets go through a little bit of a wobble or a downturn that the more sort of timeless products tend to do very well don't they yeah yeah absolutely and i think it's one element of sustainability that's also often overlooked and, and that's becoming a, a stronger topic in our world although again it's a very dynamic topic it's not one that necessarily has the same importance with uh, you know across our different customer sectors that that varies for sure and even i think within one sector if you spoke to most members of the public most consumers some would place much greater importance on it than than others you know having a, a design that lasts and a quality that lasts is really integral to that the whole overall lifespan of the product is a really really important part of that so I think, as you say, as soon as things are maybe a little bit less stable, there's a slight reverting back to something a little more classic. So if we're stood here in a year's time, David, what do you think we'll be talking about then? How, what do you think is going to happen in the next 12 months? Wow. Um, it's a really difficult question to answer. I think um, I would hope that we'll see some, some steady improvements in areas. I mean, lots of the talks that we've listened to today have suggested that you know, we're not going to have drastic change necessarily, but perhaps there's there's some steady optimism to look towards as things kind of just stabilise a little bit. The figures with the the economy, perhaps recently, um, I know not the Bank of England not increasing yet again the base rate. Maybe that's just giving a tiny glimmer of hope with consumer confidence, and I think if that can just start to settle then we should perhaps see things starting to build a little bit. But I don't see it making any kind of drastic leaps in a 12-month period. I think, and I'm being realistic, it's probably going to be much steadier than that. Stephen Neer from Bathroom Brands. So I think we've seen a lot of tightening in the market this year, and we've certainly had to work harder for the sales, run more promotional campaigns, and you know keep our finger on the pulse and push our new products, do more marketing direct to consumers to create demand that we've been fulfilling through support uh, with our retailers. So it's all slowing down a little. That's what everyone seems to be saying. What do you think is the driver behind that? I think there's probably two drivers. One is probably a slowdown post the COVID period, as we, as we call it. Um, I think during COVID, 
there was an abnormally high level of investment in our homes, you know, this whole nesting and working from home and etc. And I think that's there's a natural come down from that. But I think the other factor is the uncertainty in the economy. I mean, there's redirection then of consumer spend. We, we can see that. We can see that on the news. I think then there's this sort of whole uncertainty about where we are and where we're going with the economy, you know, post Kwarteng Trust, you know, mini budget uh, ahead of a general election, probably in Q3, Q4 next year. It seems to be a lot of individual things all adding up to that uncertainty, like you say. So I think you've got the post-COVID correction, as yeah. a correction, although it's, you know, it's clearly a downturn yeah. from that peak. But as you say, just, it's just this air of not really knowing what's going to happen next. It's kind of a weird psychological block almost. Yeah, I, w- I would agree with that. I think there are a number of factors playing in. And I, and I think we're all, across the industry, we're all working to navigate and find our path through that. So outlook-wise, it's quite difficult to call. I think budgeting this year is probably as difficult you know, for next year as it, as it has been. I think it would be a brave person that budgets to go expecting a strong growth cycle. But equally, I, d- I don't see a collapse. So I think we will focus on our core business, our core customers, to continue to drive a trusted position within the market. Given the position you're in, and lots of other people are in that big chair of big companies, give us a sort of idea of just how difficult forecasting and prediction is when one year just seems to be completely different to the one before it. You can't cut paste anything, can you? No, the last sort of three years have turned, almost turned forecasting upside down. It's very difficult. So I think the approach that we are taking is much more scenario-based. So we look at potential, a range of scenarios, and we look at our position and plan for what we think is the most likely. But then we have an understanding of if we were to, any of those other scenarios were to play out, you know, what we would be able to do as a business to kind of course correct. That's really interesting. It's like a whole new methodology, a whole new way of running a business, isn't it? By playing the odds. Yeah, if you've seen me play golf, you know, it's, it's a percentage game, right? Okay, so look, I'm going to ask you for a prediction now. If we're stood here in a year's time, where do you think we'll be? I mean, not like in this hotel. I mean, where do you think the market will be? Yeah, so we're in election year. So I, I think we'll be flat or just up on the market will be just up. We've seen the analysts forecast an uptick in the market in 24. But if you look at the development of those forecasts, the uptick has sort of moved out each quarter. There's a big margin of error on that. There is a big margin of error on that. So I think if I was a betting man, I, I would say we'd be, we'd be you know, flat or up. And I don't think that would be a disastrous result. I think there is a potential in some channels for, and, and potentially with consumer confidence, there could be some government stimulus you know, next year that could give us a little bit of an artificial bump. I mean, that is assuming the government is able to drive that uplifting consumer confidence, which, I, which I'm not convinced by, but I, but I am convinced they'll obviously try and do that for political reasons. There we go, some really interesting insights there. Now, one of the biggest indicators of the current health of the market is how robust the supply chain is. Through 2020 to 2022, it was, according to a straw poll of the conference audience, everything from shambolic to terrible. 
There's no question it was one of the big issues that defined the COVID period, and it was discussed in the BMA conference's big debate. It was actually really, really interesting to get the perspectives from some different parts of that chain on the chaos of that period. For example, here is Kerry Barton, the Group Sales and Marketing Director of Freight Forwarding Company, the WTA Group. Now, they deal with the freight coming on and off ships. So what was it like for them? The short answer was it was just carnage. Like, even for us as freight forwarders, it was just horrific. There's no getting around it. It was like the closest we got to like living in Wall Street, or that you see in films with yelling and shouting. And there was just ports were shot. There was no space. We just spent ages just yelling and yelling, trying to get space on ships for our customers. Some customers were had so much increased demand. You know, we worked with some of these big publishers and we're just buying books and buying books. So we sat home and we could get the space for them. And then it came to capitalism. We live in it, and um, so whoever paid the most got the space on the ship. So. People were outbidding each other between us getting a prize for somebody and then prices were going all over the place. So it was just hell, really, from our point of view, to try and manage and do anything resembling customer experience during that period. And how about the other end of the chain, the customers themselves? How did it all affect them? What did they think of it? Is consumer champion Jane Hawkes. Well, I mean, a lot of the adjectives, yeah, they apply to, to customers as well. You know, it was very fragmented, it was difficult, it was challenging, it was confusing. Customers were creatures of habit, got used to doing things in a certain way, and really had had it good for quite a long time. And suddenly, couldn't order the way they wanted to, couldn't get what they wanted to, couldn't use the normal forms of communication that they wanted to. Everything was different. A lot of companies had to evolve in order to provide a different kind of service so that people could access their products and services. So from a consumer point of view, the pandemic period, it, it just completely rocked the boat. And then they're not very good at being taken out. I say they, and I know we are they, taken out of that normal everyday thing that we are used to, our everyday procedures. Just think about, for example, when you, um, some people got on a plane, perfectly normal, sane people, and so they get on a plane and they're in the metal tube and then everything is like, ah, stress, um, and it just all seems really amplified and, and all those challenges and all that upset and all that stress, you know, it just sort of manifests itself. It's a little bit like that. So, um, you know, again, you know, I'm really relating to what's already been said. It's the turbulence, it's the adjustment um, to what's happening. And of course, they don't know, even though you know what goes on in your business, they don't know that. So it's very hard for them to understand it, but you can perhaps understand the customer more because you are one. From our point of view here, though, we're all about the retailer. So here's Paul Crow from Ripples, also speaking on that panel, outlining his experience of trying to get hold of product. Well, in the early days, I guess for context, we didn't ever need goods straight away. There's a lot of customers who were ordering for you know next day delivery or, or even that week. So compared to many, we were almost trying to service orders we'd placed perhaps two or three months ago. So we felt that we would be relatively safe. I think in the first instances, to be fair, once once the fear and the panic stage had gone that everybody went through, which was quite quick, to be fair. I think it wasn't too bad. I, ha- I have to say that. And I, and I think it's, it's certainly we were expecting it to be worse. I think there was a, a very much an initial surge of all hands on deck. The attitudes were positive. It's probably actually the first time that I've experienced the industry working really well together because you had no choice. You know, there's no boundaries, um, ultimately. So I think in the first instance, and, and I mean it, this, the series of months, we managed it and, and coached and, you know, we, nobody had a choice but to be positive and, and, and optimistic. But I guess the second phases really are when everybody's patience runs out, which starts with the consumer. 
then it starts with the installer who's at the receiving end actually a little bit more than the consumer because they're going from job to job. Then when our patient starts to run out, then all the cracks start to appear in the system, whether it be stock levels, the charges, obviously that we're all paying, but we're paying more for less, aren't we, all of us at the end of the day, including the consumer. So I don't think we've ever really come out of that period. I think it's got better and I think that we're all still learning from it. But I think that it, it's given everybody more lessons than we are able to learn at the moment. But we, we know what they are. We just got to implement them. But it wasn't it wasn't fun. It certainly makes you realise your strengths. It, it makes you realise who you're with, why you're with them, who you want to stay with. But there's also a few that you think um, maybe they were the wrong partner for us. They didn't step up. But it's a small number, to be fair. Throughout 2020 to 2022, you probably remember there was much discussion about the new normal. But are we still any wiser about what that is? Here's Paul Crow again answering two simple questions. What does he want the new normal to look like? And are the current service levels of suppliers anywhere near it? No, because it's not good enough for our customer. So it boils down to what do they want? And and I guess, how do we define this normal? And I don't think we, we are ready to answer that question yet actually is is the truth because i don't think that um i'm not sure it exists as an answer as a solitary answer because it does depend on who you ask their expectations are different even if they're buying the same bathroom at the same price that they're different ways of interpreting value from you and i think that the only conclusion that we can reach talking to our team is that because there's no normal we actually have to be adaptable to the individual needs that are presented to us which means that we seek that same flexibility in who we're dealing with um, and what we're finding is the companies that if, if i try to give a more sort of systematic answer the businesses that tend to be privately owned or smaller tend to be able to meet our needs better because they actually will sit in front of us and say how can i help you you know what is it you need and can we do it can we not do it with this work instead there's, there's a bit more um intelligence about the conversation whereas i think that the, the bigger companies who maybe we've not had to worry about so much because stocks have been good supply chain's been good relationships have been good you know it just works if you like is that um i think they historically became sales companies if, if i'm honest about it and uh, understandably so I, I should say but it became about next year's figures the spreadsheets the, the the sales what can we do to get you to sell more and we're like that with our own with our own team so i understand the the position but actually what we found when we analysed it retrospectively is that the, the suppliers who gained the most with us over the last three years in terms of sales, value of the relationship on a, on a, on a human level, were the ones who were before the pandemic asking us the most about how they can help us in our business. And they range from international companies to small private companies. So it, it proved to us it's possible but we, we, we learned a lot about, if you like, what the perfect model for our business is. And we know that that's not going to be perfect maybe for the for other customers. And that's taken the conversation, I think, full circle with it. Actually, you can't define the service level and go, here's our plaque on the wall anymore and say, do you like it? Because we're really proud of it. It means nothing. No one's interested. I, I think we've actually got to ask ourselves, what does our customer want from us? We don't ask them. We just assume that they like it because we put it in our marketing. That's what we do. So we're having to rethink it all as well and saying, what is it that they're buying into? Are, are we in tune with that? Re-educate ourselves and then go back to our supply and say, can you help us with this? And that's work in progress. But it's a very slow process because COVID hasn't finished yet and Ukraine hasn't finished yet. And we could list all of the things that you guys have had to face. Everyone needs a bit more money behind them, don't they? Let's be honest. You know, it's money's going to solve the problem. But in the meantime, we all have to manage the problem a bit better. 
I'm delighted I'm here amongst manufacturers, but actually it's not normal for maybe retailers and manufacturers to have an open conversation because I know I've learned more about manufacturing and the supply chain in the last three years than ever before. And maybe we should know that. And therefore, I think that everybody's on a new learning curve, learning a new normal. That was Paul Crow speaking to the 2023 conference of the Bathroom Manufacturers Association. It was an excellent event and I recommend it to anyone who found this episode interesting. Remember, the closing date for the KBB Review Retail and Design Awards 2024 is 5pm on Thursday, November the 16th. It's totally free to enter and you can find out all about it at kbbreview.com forward slash awards. And that link is in the episode description. See you next time.